This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Football Roundup here on Energy Sport. My name is Jack Donnelly and we have got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to get through from the weekend of football in Scotland, England and the wider world. Uh, I've got three hosts uh, joining me today, the first of which, uh, he, he denounced his uh, uh, his uh, favourite of all time after links to his rival club, but uh, he was quickly made to eat his words upon the announcement that Cristiano Ronaldo would be rejoining Manchester United from Juventus. Struan Garvey, how are you doing today, mate? I'm pretty happy. As you said, I was uh, I was flip-flopping uh, come Thursday evening, Friday morning, into the afternoon. But um, yeah, I'm happy today. My team's won at the weekend, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy. Pretty happy. Uh, I'm even more happy to be on the, the football roundup. As always. But this, this, is where, this is where happiness truly comes to a head. This, it's just the happiest place on earth is a football roundup uh, recording and I'm sure my next guest can agree with me and agree with your happiness strewn. He was perhaps had a bit of doubt heading into uh, yesterday at 12pm but come 1.45 he was absolutely full of happiness. Graeme Sinclair how are you doing today pal? The happiest place on earth is the Magic Kingdom Jack. Let's not beat around the bush there. Okay that's, I'll give you that that's fair. Well the Sinclair household is a close second after yesterday's football match I have to say. I am delighted to be here. What a day. What a day to talk about the football. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> wow, indeed. Very happy to have you, as always, mate. Uh, finally, I mean, he might not share the same happiness as a pair of you lads because his team lost for the first time this season, this weekend. And as a bitter and sad United fan, I'm just going to make, make that point as much as I possibly can that Kelly have actually lost. They've lost their 100% record. But he'll fire back some argument and make me feel worse about myself regardless it's, it's Sean McGill how are you doing mate alright <laughs> um, I'm a Bonnie Rose fan that's uh, where all my energy is going now because well, I don't that defense. I don't I don't support teams that lose, lose. that's embarrassing that is really embarrassing to lose a game of football it's just it's too much for me I think uh, the Jamie so, McIntosh approach here yeah that's what I'm doing just discard that any team that loses a game so they're gone by Kilmarnock, it's been a terrible ride. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm on the rosy posy. Thanks for 2012, but it's time to go. Yeah, that was uh, a good st- I mean, as if we hadn't lost no games of football since then, we've been invincible. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, Kilmarnock, yeah, they lost, but, oh well. Just, uh, life pans out that way sometimes. It does. Life's all one big massive disappointment, and then we all die. Wow. <laughs> so let, let's just retract that statement about this being a, this being a happy place because Sean just brought the mood right down uh, <clears throat> we've talked about as well yeah fair enough yeah man, that's yeah, you're welcome uh, so moving on we've got a big question as always and we've talked about uh, teams losing we've talked about teams winning but uh, if a team's losing they might be looking to players that they might have got rid of in the past or perhaps just moved on because of circumstance and what I would like to know with this week's big question lads is which former player from your club would you most want drafted into your team's current starting eleven to improve it and make it better? 
Struan, you've got about 18 different teams to choose from here. Have you, have you managed to solidify it down to, to one pick and one team? Well, I, I guess that this is the opportunity to, to bring up Ronaldo here for um, his return to Manchester United, which has been pretty crazy. Obviously, a lot of people my age who support Man United grew up as Ronaldo was the idol, really, what he used to do in the Premier League. Obviously, he's gone away, done wonders at Real Madrid, probably the second best player of all time. Just come back to the club. Obviously, he's not what he used to be, no, nowhere near that, in fact. But at the same time, it's it's just really nice to see him come back to the Premier League. And I think for a lot of neutral fans as well, it'll just be interesting to have that draw of Cristiano Ronaldo back in the Premier League. I think I think it's definitely... Should we, should we just kind of part this and have a little chat about Ronaldo just now, or should we get everyone's answers before we before we have this conversation? Let's have it out. Have it out. Graham, what about yourself? How are you feeling about Ronaldo returning to the biggest league in the world? Well, I'm a bit on the fence, because I mm. think it depends on the Cristiano Ronaldo we get at Manchester United. I think if Cristiano Ronaldo comes into Man United and acts as a Man United player and it's acts as part of the team Manchester United, I think it's a class sign and I think he'll do very well for them. And if if, if he's coming in and he's in there to score goals and slup, supplement Man United's playing style. However, if he comes in and makes it Ronaldo's team like I think he's done with, like I think he done with Juventus to their detriment, I think he done with Portugal at the Euros to their detriment, then I think the same could happen to Manchester United because he's not the same player he once was. He's not. I don't think he's the kind of player that you just kind of force feed everything into him and it's like, it's all worked through Ronaldo. I don't think that's the kind of player he is. And if Manu do that, I think it could harm them the same way it did with those other teams. I'm hopeful that Manu wouldn't sign a player to sign him at this age to do that, but I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. Uh, Sean, how about you? I mean, you've not really got any strict ties to Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in terms of supporting him or loathing him at all but uh, <laughs> how, how are you feeling about his return to English football? Um, it's interesting I think because for me Juventus were a worse side with him in it I think uh, although his numbers were good Juventus scored 20 less goals a season roughly um, during his three seasons there so what happens to Manchester United now? I mean, they seem to have a good thing going in attacking terms, of course. Uh, Mason Greenwood haven't scored in every game so far this season in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you worry how Cristiano Ronaldo's arrival will impact that. But of course, on the other hand, it's very exciting to see one of the greatest players of all time uh, back in a league where we can have a little bit more visibility of him. And of course, there's the homecoming aspect as well. Uh, I mean, I think some of the narrative around it is a bit forgetful and Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, misdemeanours uh, or uh, alleged misdemeanours have seemed to be washed mm. over a little bit in the conversation because we're all getting wrapped up in the story of it I think that's a little bit disappointing but um, Ronaldo being in England is definitely a very interesting uh, story to keep an eye on and if he can elevate Manchester United to tip challengers, I don't think it's enough personally but if he can do then uh, it will just show why people regard him as one of the best of all time, that winning mentality, that strive to be the best. If he can kick them on, then uh, it only adds to that already impressive legacy. No, I've Unless got... he can oh, play as a six, he will not be taking Man United to the title. Yeah, that's uh, a big... <laughs> we saw that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was the one thing I was going to say. I think without a holding midfielder, I don't know if Man United are going to be close to as close to the title as they would want to be. Struan's taking the words right out of my mouth because that is the general consensus, of course, but... I'm, I'm like you, Sean. Like I feel, I feel like it's we, we have kind of been wrapped up in the things that I, the one thing I've not like seen at all. It's just been people 
kind of going and saying, "Oh, Man United have had the the most liked post from a from a football team in or a sports team in history with their announcement at the signing." I Instagram likes aren't going to get you twenty goals a season, are they? The player might, but the, that won't. So why should it matter? I'm just interested to see how he fits in. Whether he is going to be as Graham said, the selfish player of the team player, because I think if he fits himself in and he can it make, makes himself a team player, it could be absolutely massive for Manchester United. But if not, it could be detrimental to how the club move forward this season, how they get on the league. And I think the social Europe. media. I think the social media aspect is um, <clears throat> quite important because I think for the Glazers, that's exactly one of the reasons that they signed him is for the interaction to raise the raise the awareness. I mean, Man United stock had risen before Ronaldo's even confirmed or announced or anything like that with all the rumours spreading. Ed Woodward made a point at um, one of the press conferences about how Man United's TikTok was the, the fastest growing football club's TikTok and I feel one of the main reasons they've done that is for the social media interaction and although from a fan's point of view it doesn't really mean anything it's, it's quite a shame because the, the owners are so fixed on that and they'll be absolutely loving the fact that it's it's the most liked thing on Instagram, Twitter, pro- probably TikTok at this point as well mm. and they'll, they'll be looking at that probably and happier with that than his actual performances on the pitch really. Uh, potential concern that they are kind of prioritising commercialism over anything else that's happening on the pitch. Uh, we'll return to the actual big question at hand. Uh, Graham, who's one former player that you would want drafted into your current team's starting eleven? Well, I imagine that the way I, was, I thought the question would be different. I thought it was just like, I was going to pick anybody for like 2002, but I think you should do it the way Ronaldo is. He's come, he's been, he's coming back as a current version, and I couldn't think of one for Rangers because they just haven't really sold anybody. But so. For Liverpool, I wish we could have Raheem Sterling back, to be honest with you. Uh, he didn't live in very mm. nice circumstances. Liverpool fans don't like him, but we currently could really, really, really use an extra attacking body, and Raheem Sterling is still a top-class player. Uh, he was pretty good at Liverpool, when he was mm. young, we got a lot of money for him, and he's went to City and improved his game. It will never happen because of the circumstances of his departure, and he's now at a club where they pay him shit tons of money. and <laughs> But He's the best one Liverpool have sold in the last ten years, and he would probably he would fit right back into that team. I'm I'm surprised he didn't go for someone potentially like a Luis Suarez or something like that. I mean, I'll put he's about the same. Yeah, I suppose he's if, a bit old now. Yeah, I, I, I suppose yeah. If you're looking at it from from that angle, yeah, I can I can get what you're meaning, but yeah, anyone from a from a Rangers point of view, or did you just stick with? Solely <laughs> I Liverpool? had I had a look. The best player I think we've sold. In like the last ten years, is probably Josh Windass, and I don't really have not really longing for Josh Windass to, to come back to Ibrox. So I that's why I didn't mention it. <laughs> Billy Gilmore. I guess that counts. Kind of, yeah. TV one. It's a debate on whether it counts that a player that never never actually played for Rangers uh, counts as you can get him back. But I guess that's a good point. If you could, you could, you could do Billy Gilmore, or do Billy Gilmore. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll give you, I'll give you. So, uh, Billy Gilmore for Rangers and Sterling for, for Liverpool, that's fair enough. Sean, how about you for Kilmarnock? Or, or the Rose, actually. Boy, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Go back through your, your storied uh, time as a Bonnie Rose fan and find a player that you've gotten rid of that you love back in the starting 11 just now. Back to the good old days. I'd love... Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, I will say... Uh, obviously, I'll... I'll, I'll Get put Kilmarnock back in good standings just for this segment, and it's actually really easy for me because uh, the the same old story in that defeat to Inverness uh, on Saturday was our lack of cutting edge. Uh, nobody who can pick a pass and unlock a defence. All the talk around Kelly just now is 
needing to get a striker in, and that's probably uh, going to be exasperated more by uh, the injury sustained to Scott Robinson, who's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, so that seems to be all the chat, getting one or two strikers in the door, but there's no point getting strikers in if you don't have anyone to pass to them mm-hmm. or unlock the defence. So it's very easy for me to pick the best player I've ever seen wear the blue and white stripes, and that is, of course, Alexei Eremenko. Mm-hmm. If he was in that uh, team, I mean, in the Championship, he'd probably still play there now, even if the, he play, came back for... Whose testimonial would he have came back for? Boyd's, maybe? And uh, he was huge, like, absolutely huge. He made... Chris Boyd look like Zac Efron, um, but I think that um, I think that Eddie Michael could still do a job in the championship of that Kelly team. Just stand there and pick passes, and uh, we would still be undefeated and still have our hundred percent record. So yeah, the big sexy fin. Fair enough. Yeah, uh-huh, that's very good reason. I'm a big fan of that shout. To be fair, thanks. Uh, you're, you're you're welcome, mate. Who would you pick, Jack? For me. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm very similar to you in the sense of looking at AR from a perspective of we just don't have cutting edge at the moment Adeloye scored a couple of goals this season but it's really not anything in terms of the level of consistency we had with a certain Scotland international who is taking the trip over to Belgium so Lawrence if you're listening please help Jack Hendry please <laughs> I don't think he ever played for it. To be fair, I could go down the route of Kevin Nisbet or Scott McKenna, to be fair, if I, if I wanted to, but they were absolutely pony when they were at us. It's a breeding ground of talent at Somerset Park. I think it's because uh, players uh, want to get away. so yeah. quickly there because they're desperate to get out of that shite hole. It, might, it might well probably... be, to be honest, and based on the season so far, I wouldn't blame them at this point. Yeah. Uh, just an out-and-out goal scorer, just someone who's a constant threat, because I feel like the strikers we've had since Shanklin just haven't held up to the same calibre whatsoever uh, we've just not really had anyone who's constantly looking, looking to drive the play forward, constantly looking to be in and about the box and just able to score at kind of any point in the match and I feel like that kind of comes part and parcel with a lack of creativity in midfield like you said Sean and I feel like our quality out wide has really diminished over the years so if we could get Shanklin, Forrest and uh, McCowan all back in the one of that, that'd be great Right, just pick three players in Oh well, because I'm selfish, yeah. And I suppose if looking at it from a Chelsea point of view, it's actually a bit harder because the team's actually quite good just now. Uh, probably like I'd probably be a midfielder to be quite honest. I mean, or or a or a left back, certain certain Belgian midfielder perhaps. I, th- I hadn't even thought. I was I would go on like players who'd actually had a sustained amount of playing time. But no, I, I'd probably have to say Kevin De Bruyne if there was going to be one. Because if you take Kevin De Bruyne when he was there and have him where he is now, I would I would absolutely love to have that career trajectory and that uh, improvement in that Chelsea team for the spell of time that he would have been spent spending at Sanford Bridge. That would, uh, yeah, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne probably for Chelsea, although Mo Salah is probably up there as well. Yeah, for, just to say for Chelsea, you probably have the, the, the pick between the two of the best players in the Premier League. Which one would you rather have? To be, what prior about... to this summer, Lukaku could be there as well. Yeah, he would have been, uh-huh. but he, he actually came back, so... If that's anything to go by, we'll have uh, De Bruyne and Salah in the same team. And, uh, I'm disappointed you haven't picked Kurt Zuma, to be honest. Oh, I'm still raw. Just it's not it's not been a fun weekend for me. <laughs> Off the back, Kurt Zuma's left, and I'm really not happy with it. Uh, onwards and upwards, I suppose. I uh, I didn't give a Hibs one, but I would have Scott Brown back just on that. Why? Note. Why? It's not very good anymore. Yeah, I mean, Sean, I mean, Sean cheated with the rules anyway, but <laughs> I cheated. Ah, you, you picked a fat man that's like 38 years old. It's not going to do a job for you in 2021. What, any past player? 
Yeah, but it's like to be fair, when I, to be fair to him, in my head I had any pass player like at a point. So if you could have like, oh, but yeah, it was, it was Fender and Ronaldo. So oh, so I'd, I'd have had Roy Keane. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> George Best is is. Uh, that's why I picked Billy Gilmore for Ranger. Ranger. <laughs> in my United's current team, if I could have anyone back in That's why I picked Josh Winder for Rangers. <laughs> well, yeah, I did wonder about that. I, was, <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine it was, that like, it was like the Ronaldo. He's, he's been away, he's come back, and it's the current version you're getting. That's oh, what, yeah. See, oh, I, okay. I was thinking right, players who are still active now who you could bring back. That, that's why I said oh. Scott Brown. That's oh, why I questioned John Suarez, you know. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I said like, in terms of that. But you said he's a bit old. I was like, oh, well. Show me all about himself and pick his own rules. As he always does. I'm trying to get an answer, but they're all a bit shite. Uh, Greg Stewart. Greg Stewart. Uh, No, because we still... Greg Taylor? Big solid. Who have you got left back just now? Brandon Houndstrup. Yeah, you're taking Greg Taylor. I made that decision for you. If Cal Motors can get to... He's not Greg Taylor level, but he's perfect. (laughs) Brandon Houndstrup is terrible. But, uh, no. Uh, Greg Stewart. Okay. There we go. Who's still a free agent, if you're listening, Greg? <laughs> if Greg and the Kilmarnock board are listening, then Sean You're the Sean's only person really... with two first names that I like, so one back. <laughs> Unfortunate for Taylor Murray, that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should probably talk. We, like, we've been going for 16 or almost 17 minutes on one big question and a talking point about Ronaldo, so we should probably talk about the actual biggest game of the weekend in the old farm that played out yesterday afternoon. And Rangers ran out the winners in a 1 0 victory. Big Philip Hillander from a corner, heading it in. Uh, to give Rangers the win, uh, Struan, I suppose I'll come. I'll come to you first. I'll come to Graham more about the how, how Rangers won the game. But what, what were your like immediate reactions at full time? Was it was it the right result? Was kind of asked thought as it more of a game of two halves? I thought Celtic were the better team first half, but Rangers kind of came out and pressed them higher in the in the second half and ultimately won the game. Yeah, I, I think on the basis of the second half, you'd say that Rangers did deserve the victory. I, I, throughout the match, I think Celtic did have some very good opportunities, three in particular that mm-hmm. I think they possibly should have done better on, and you could see it be a different game. But no, Rangers knew their plan. I thought the team was going to be a lot weaker than it was with the um, with the COVID outbreak, yep. but I, I thought they put in a really good performance, to be honest. I thought Balogun was excellent, playing a right back, obviously with Tavernier and Patterson there. He's, he's a third choice by all means, but in, in, that, in the right back role, that is not centre-half. He did really well. I was really impressed with McCrory. He made an excellent save against Furuhashi at the end. I think Furuhashi should have squared it for a tap into Christie, but he still made a really good save with his feet. And yeah, I don't think there can be too many complaints about that result, to be honest. I think Rangers deserved it. After the week that they've had, the, the form that going into this one, even though it was at Ibrox with only Rangers fans in it, I think a lot of people fancied Celtic to get something from this game. So yeah, massive credit to Rangers. So Graham, where was that game actually won for Rangers in the end when it actually comes down to the, the nitty-gritty of it? Because it was still a fairly slim scoreline. So what was the difference for Rangers in the end probably the goal I would say <laughs> <laughs> Sean's not wrong uh, I thought the, mid- <laughs> the midfield battle was pretty crucial in determining how this game went uh, I thought in the first half Celtic were the better side and they controlled most of the ball and I thought Cam McGregor was the best player on the pitch he just had basically three roam with it and almost acres of space and Celtic just kept the ball for most I think they had over 60% possession in the first half I think that's actually had for the whole game but particularly in the first half you could tell Celtic dominated the ball mm. and in the second half Rangers kind of upped their aggressiveness and Davis and Kamara in particular really managed to insert their influence in the game and Rangers were far better in the second half I think that was the swing point of the game and it seems like the midfield but like particularly the control of the ball in the midfield was crucial in the game and Rangers, Celtic had it in the first half 
with a better side Rangers had in the second half and they were the better side and Rangers just took their chances when they had them chance and uh, Sean Struan mentioned it already but uh, Balogun uh, Liam Balogun had a really impressive performance at right back obviously playing out of position because both uh, James Tavernier and Nathan Patterson were out but uh, were there any other uh, players that stood out to you as kind of putting an impressive uh, individual performances I know Graham mentioned Callum McGregor in the middle of the park but was, was there anyone else that caught your eye in this one um, yeah those two are probably the standouts but I think and it wasn't sort of peppered in any way but I think uh, it was impressive how Robin McCrory stood up at the moments where he was called upon that mm-hmm. is particularly that uh, that one sort of lackadaisical moment at the Rangers defence where Kyogo got through and looked to sort of slot it under him he came up with that big save uh, with his legs so I think um, to come in your your second ever game for Rangers your first at a packed Ibrox old firm um, you know how important that is for the title race because the mood around Rangers was uh, quite negative at that moment in time. Celtic obviously have been scoring goals for fun, so uh, to come into that atmosphere, that pressure, and um, and do your job when you're called upon from a young man who's still uh, pretty inexperienced, I thought was very impressive. But uh, so often when Rangers pull off these type of performances, we are saying they ground it out. There's not that often that it's an individual that you call out they, mm. they do that so well as a team and I asked Graham on extra time on Thursday if Rangers would approach this one a little bit more like a European game or would they try and dominate the ball and it kind of felt like that time it definitely wasn't a sort of fully blown uh, European performance that we've seen over the years uh, the last couple of years from Rangers but I thought there were sort of aspects of it um, that meant that they kept themselves in that game uh, without looking too under pressure other than that sort of Edward um, sitter that I mm-hmm. don't know how, how he missed um, I, de- de- I thought it was oh, sorry. Where you go? I, was, I definitely thought that in the first half that that was a European away game but I think mm-hmm. it was, they went too far that way and gave Celtic too much of the ball and so I think Celtic's dominance in the first half was a, is, is a bit overstated I thought that apart outside the Edward chance Rangers pretty much caught with them and kept them on the edge of the box but I got the clue at half time that they kind of like they kind of given too much of the ball to Celtic, and you saw the reaction in the second half. Well, Celtic maybe had still had more of the ball. Rangers had pretty much all of the meaningful attacks until they went one 0 up. And Graham, I suppose I'll come back to you here because I mean, given kind of how much Rangers have been kind of scrutinised and doubted in the early season based on uh, a couple of poor losses, I mean, Dundee United and the games against Malmo, and then obviously coming into this game with a. With, with a fair few bodies down because of uh, COVID and everything like that, how important was them was it for them to get this win so early in the season? Well, it's massive. Just the, the psychological boost of beating Celtic when you're not at your best is is absolutely huge going forward at the end of the season. It could be the catalyst to spark Rangers into life. And you mentioned like this kind of obstacles they had to overcome. They, they had the COVID players, and Stuart mentioned the team wasn't so different. So what there is, you've dealt with a COVID situation at the club for a week. That can take the mind off it. And if they are missed, they are with a third choice keeper, the third choice right back, the captain, and the manager. That's pretty massive. Adding a 3,000 mile trip to Armenia or whatever it was. It's just. And, and Kent, I think they mentioned Kent, 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 Kent was injured. There's like so, so many things that were going wrong for Rangers I and mean, I don't even think it was like the best performance I think going forward from open play we we struggled still a little bit we weren't at our fluent best that we can be so to just grind it out and get what I thought was probably a deserved one in the day just about although it was pretty even it's absolutely massive for us uh, Struan looking over at Celtic for a moment I mean should they be back in panic stations at all I mean given that they created those kind of chances I mean the Edward one being the most glaringly uh, 
<laughs> terrible for having missed it, and then a couple with Furuhashi uh, later in the second half. I mean, there can definitely be some positives that Postacoco can take away from this, even though he didn't get the result in the end. Yeah, I think there's definitely positives. I, I don't think Celtic fans should be going into panic stations by any means. They've they've made a they made a poor start, but they've recovered it fantastically well. Prior to the Rangers game, they had two back to back six 0 defeats. I think there's a couple of circumstances in this game. Obviously, Postacoglu was his first uh, old firm. I believe about five players in that Celtic team were making their old firm debuts as well. Ivanovic was making his full debut at left back. I thought he looked quite good at our position there. He could definitely be one for the future at right back this this coming season. And I think a lot of Celtic fans would say, you know, there were chances for Celtic to win that game. If Furahashi had possibly been starting at striker, it might have been a different case. But at the end of the day, Rangers were the better team. They deserved the win. But there's there's positives for Celtic, definitely. I don't think this is going to be one of those results that'll derail them and, and completely mm. throw them off what they were doing. Obviously, we said before the game, we said it all season, they still need signings. I mean, Starfield and Welsh are just not a centre-back partnership that are amazing at the moment. Starfield looks a little bit raw and Welsh looks really talented. I'm a big fan of his, but at the same time, he's not quite up to the standard of, of say, Conor Goldson on the opposite end, etc. So, yeah, there's it's a young team in Celtic and there's definitely positives to take. I don't think they'll win the title. I, I still believe that, but I think they can definitely have a decent season. Yeah, I have to say, it's quite clear that Colley got it wrong. I think he, he admitted so after the game mm. uh, not putting Kyogo Furuhashi through the middle from the start mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. As much as he's excelled at so far in his career, he's not exactly a player that's. He's not going to beat four or five ma- four or five men down the wing and like you put across and he's somebody that's so smart off the ball making runs and finishing and you saw the change when Edward went off and how much of a threat it's still to yeah. like Part of that is the natural course of the game that Rangers are one 0 up and starting to chase, but the point still stands that Celtic were far more threatening with Furuhashi through the middle than they were with him on the left and Hudson and through the middle. Do you think that could be something that they're potentially going to pivot towards in using Furuhashi more through the middle? I mean, there was uh, reports kind of coming out in the last couple of days that they've kind of agreed a deal, uh, agreed a deal, sorry, for a loan of a Benfica winger uh, coming in, so an- another kind of player to play out wide, and potentially they could be focusing Furuhashi through the middle, and then obviously you've got the constant rumours that Edward's going to be leaving, so could we see Furuhashi play centrally more consistently, and then in the next few weeks, depending on what happens in the next couple of days. He's certainly the best striker at this point. Odds and Edwards has been checked out for the year. And whether he goes or whether he stays, he's still not the best op- option for Celtic right now. That's Furuhashi through the middle. That's And then it's getting pace on either side of them, whether that's Abada, Forrest, Christie, or this new Jota lad that looks like he's going to come in. Like this, That is the way forward for Celtic. It's not Odds and Edwards, which, unfortunately with Celtic, should probably decrease his price because th- there's not a need for him to keep him anymore. Mm. So, and I know they want. There's rumours of eighteen million euros offers, but you look at the situation of sorts of Edwards in the Celtic. I don't know if we can really justify that because Celtic, like, Celtic aren't using them, so why should we pay that much money? Like, his value is decreased through the incoming of Furuhashi and Ange Postecoglou. Do you think it decreases even further if Troy Deeney comes in the door? Let's not even entertain it. That's, that would be. I'm still worried that he took a video. Going past Ibrox, that if he comes to Ibrox, I'm just going to. I don't want to laugh at Celtic in case it's Rangers that get him. The Manila for replacement in case. There's also the uh, the Greek striker coming from Holland. GMR. Of course, yeah. I think he's one of my pals said this to me, and I don't know if it's true, but apparently, was he the top scorer in the Eredivisie last season? Um, was he? One of my pals said right, that I'm, to me, and I was like, really surely not. Like, 
I might sound sad here, but I know he got a team of the season card in FIFA 21, so he must have been he doing did. something right. <laughs> Playing for VVV Venlo, apparently outscored like Donny Marlon, Don, Doniel, Mar- Don- Marlon. I think Doniel Marlon was the top. He was seven goals ahead of Doniel Marlon. Oh, ignore that's me. Wow. A little that's bit mental. Yeah, that's impressive. 26, 26 goals in 30 games. That's mad. And what is Celtic getting for like a couple million, is it not? Two and a half million, I think it was. Two and a half million for a 26 goal striker? What? I mean, they nearly got Ivan Tony for something like that when he was leaving <laughs> Peterborough, but um, didn't pay it. Got a Jeffy instead. That's what that went well. well. That went really well for them. <laughs> I think. I think the Edward point as well. I believe he's in the last year of his contract, so I feel yes. Yeah, yes, his no. value is just. I don't even know what I'd pin it at at the moment. I don't. You you, you couldn't put it past so, twenty at all. I think it would be averaging about I think you're. I think, I think you're like 18 odd saying in the middle I think you are way too high for yeah. Yeah. teams should be played I think we're closer to 10 million than we are to 20 Christopher Ayer is right form. now a better asset than Odds and Edward is I think PSG have got a 40% sell on clause as well so the, mm. you know it was already pretty bleak for Celtic in terms of the money they were going to get I think was it what Leicester offered like 15-16 million that was rumoured for Odds and Edward and that was a couple of months ago and like, his value has gone down significantly I would say since then did Palace not offer the same recently? I think Arsenal have also come into it after it was revealed Lacazette's going to be leaving. So, uh, but I, again, I, I don't know if he's that level. Uh, Arsenal probably is, to be fair. <laughs> uh, right, we could probably sit and speak about uh, transfer rumours surrounding Celtic yeah. Park and Ibrox for To, to focus but... back on the game, I was surprised how much. I know Celtic fans are taking a lot of positive from it. I thought their performance yesterday was eerily similar to a couple of the old firm games last year, and eerily similar to pretty much every manager under, like Celtic manager under Stephen Gerrard, and that the Rangers, I'd say, allowed them to dominate the ball. Yeah. They had a couple of chances, but ultimately they just <laughs> the cutting edge was not there. That I didn't think much changed from Ange Postecoglou yesterday. Other than the fact that they have much better players than they did last season, the game, the game in the game in my head is the New Year Derby, the one that mm, kind of mm-hmm. sealed the title for us. Celtic were, I thought Celtic were really dominant for thirty minutes in that game, and I don't think I saw the exact same thing yesterday. Not to say that Ange Postecoglou is just the same level as Neil Lennon, but I'm not sure I quite understand the level of optimism other than the surrounding situation at Celtic right now. I don't see it from yeah. this particular game. I think that definitely plays into it. To be honest, I think everything kind of surrounding Celtic seemed to be rosy kind of coming into this game, and then that might have softened the blow slightly of losing the old farm. But I don't. I'm sure still conceding from set pieces. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. It had to, be, had to be the goal from a set piece that was going to be their undoing, which is a bit worrying from that perspective that they've not actually addressed that problem yet but and it was a great delivery from Barisic but uh, yeah. if you see the way that Stephen Welsh just doesn't track Calander it's a good run from Calander as well mm-hmm. but Stephen Welsh just a little bit naive I think gets sort of drawn towards the front post instead of following Calander to the back and it's cost Celtic uh, what could be um, a very sort of valuable even a draw there would have sort of yeah. settled the nerves a little bit more but um yeah, it means that Rangers obviously have a, a new lease of life and they'll be looking to carry that on into uh, the next few weeks after the international break. No, absolutely. They can definitely sit on that over the next couple of weeks before we get back to league action in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we'll just do a quick round-up of the rest of the kind of biggest talking points up in the, the biggest leagues in Scotland, of course. Uh, Stuart, I'm going to come to you first because Hibs are sitting top of the table just now. It's... um. 
It's nice. It's, it's a very, <laughs> very nice thing to say. Um, currently on top over goal difference over the rivals, but um, yeah, it's been a really good start from Hibs in domestically, of course, Europe. Eh, but yeah, I, I'm really happy from a Hibs point of view. I think the result of the weekend was a good one. There was a lot happened in that Livingston game. I, I was at Hibs Women Everton at the time, so I, I did miss the um, the men's game in the way home, but. Again, Kevin Nisbet getting on the score sheet. Rumours of a Swansea bid for him have come out today, so that's right. uh, something to keep an eye on. And Martin Boyle once again being on the score sheet. So, yeah, no, no complaints. It's just another really good performance from Hibs. And how are you feeling kind of going into the international break, sitting top, knowing you've got that derby coming up once uh, the league resumes? Very nervous. <laughs> Very nervous, because I still think that Hibs need to make two or three signings, to be perfectly honest. I think well, there's obviously Wood coming in from Middlesbrough, and... Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be too pessimistic, but a 19-year-old on a season-long loan is not exactly the centre-half that I had envisaged, especially with Jason Kerr and Jamie McCart being linked for so long from St Johnston. I think a, a two hundred and fifty grand bid was knocked back by St Johnston, and, and fair enough for McCart, he's, he's worth more than that in my eyes, but Hibs have moved away from that. Obviously Josh Doig as well, the latest in the rumour mill is, of course, um, Barisic leaving Rangers, if he's going to suddenly become the replacement there, if that happens, and obviously as well Kevin Nisbet, as I mentioned, Hibs needed a new striker even before Deutsch was Deutsch was injured. If Nisbet goes as well, you're just adding fuel to that fire. So um, yeah, definitely need more signings. But I'm, I'm going to stay upbeat. I'm going to stay positive going into the international break, top of the table. It's um, it's nice. It's it's just a shame that Hearts are also doing very well. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can we can kind of lead on to them quite nicely. That's a good wee segue you've provided me with there, Struan. Of course, Hearts uh, winning away at uh, Robin Nielsen's old stomping ground at Tanadice, a 2-0 win for the Jam Tarts, the Homer and Barts, whatever you want to call them, uh, against the United through a Liam Boyce rebound off a penalty and an Armand Nandwile after uh, a lot of speculation over whether he'd actually still be at the club. He's got his first goal of the season, I believe. Uh, Graham, I suppose the biggest kind of talking point surrounding Hearts from the weekend actually comes from today and it being Heart and Soul Day at the club, which has seen uh, owner and budge transfer her shares over to the Foundation of Hearts, making the club the largest uh, fan-owned club in Britain, if I'm right in saying that. Yeah, I am right in saying that. There we go. So, I mean, after they were on the brink of uh, going into administration, how kind of positive is it for the club to be back at this point again? Oh, it's wonderful. Just I think everyone here is probably all for fan ownership. It's a model that I think everyone kind of inspires to be in Hartshire, one of the, kind of the, the precedent setting one in Scottish football. I know there's them and there's something around there's kind of the two biggest examples. Mm. And just the what that I'm a lot of talk about Anne Budge on the pitch, uh, maybe not <laughs> delivering, but off the pitch. Just, still been scoring goals. You know what I mean? But off the pitch. <laughs> off the off the pitch, just the work that she's done is incredible for her. She's just mm. she's completely turned that club around. They were on the brink. Saved them as just, well. Yeah, mm-hmm. she saved. She saved them. That's as simple as it is. And to get to where we are today, it's just an incredible job from her. No, and, it, and it's gonna. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, Sean, on you. Go. I was gonna say I've been getting the patter from my pals at, at the gym this morning. One of my heart supporting pals, and he's just talking about the fact that he's a part owner of Heart of Middle Lane Football Club, and John Suter needs to be given up four-year contract immediately and all that sort of stuff so um and he's I gonna be making these decisions that he's gonna draw I, the contract he, for he, he, he thinks so uh, i don't know if that's uh <laughs> it's gonna materialize like that but um i i mean I, i'm the same i'd love to uh, say that i part owned uh my football club i think and uh, quite cool. yeah. have a stake and all that sort of stuff would be great so 
credit to the Hearts fans who have carried out the ones who uh, pumped money in at a time where the club was in dire straits and uh, they deserve this as much as anyone else. They stuck by their club in the toughest of times and uh, they're flying in the Premiership and they own their club. It's a, a pretty good time to be uh, a jam tart, as you said. No, it absolutely is. And it's a good thing to be me because my uh, early season prediction of Liam Boyce being one of the top three scorers in the top flight this season is... Uh, Coming up all right just now. He's gonna can't really stop scoring at the moment. So shame penalties don't count. It wasn't no, a penalty exactly. though. He didn't score from the penalty. He scored the rebound oh, from the penalty. Uh, is that still a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> Any technicality, mate. I'm I'm gonna be using it as much as possible. Uh, Sean, I want to stick with you because uh, we were both watching sports scene before we came on, and yes. uh, you said you wanted to reserve some comments for a certain uh, Ross County goalkeeper uh, for the podcast. Uh, Ross Laidlaw had an absolute howler as he allowed Aberdeen to get back into the game in the 88th minute, I believe, was uh, the minute that Christian uh, Ramirez scored the equaliser mm. at Petodri in a one-all draw. Yeah, let him have it. <laughs> Please ha- have your opinions out there. We- we're dying to hear them. Well, so I thought Ross Laidlaw was bad. And then last season, I was like, maybe he's not actually that bad. Maybe I got this guy wrong. Maybe it was just a, a rough patch he was going through. It turns out it was just a kind of okay period uh, he was going through on the basis of this season so far because he has been really struggling again. He was at fault for, what, at least two of the goals in Rangers 4-2 win um, up at Dingwall last weekend. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Johnny Hayes has kind of rolled the ball towards him and he somehow can't hold it, slips underneath him and uh, Christian Ramirez just has to slide in uh, to break his little mini goal drought since a, a very positive start. Yeah. Uh, up at Petodre so um, yeah, I think it's a big concern for Ross County I know all too well Jack the pitfalls of not having confidence in uh, the goalkeeper um, <laughs> it just completely unsteadies the defence they don't know what to do they don't know when to clear they don't know uh, when to sort of track back and try and take the ball out of his hands it's just a, a nightmare and um, yeah if Ross Laidlaw doesn't start getting back towards uh, the type of form he was shown last season where he was pretty good, um, I think that's just going to be another nail in the coffin of Ross County who, uh, to be fair, have a couple of points, a, t- a tough away game up at Audrey. They were very close to getting a win, obviously, um, but Aberdeen had quite a lot of chances and a lot of the ball as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think they'll be too disappointed. They've got some points on the board. Mm. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I would maybe be thinking if I was... Malky Mackay I'd be thinking about uh, having a long hard look at myself first of all and then I'd be thinking about getting a goalkeeper in uh, before the deadline tomorrow I mean worth mentioning we've, we've crapped on Ross County since the season started but that we have after the next they play Celtic that they've played Hibs, Rangers, Aberdeen, St Johnston and Celtic the top five from last season and they'll have two points which is actually not pretty terrible. admirable from them <laughs> it's not bad play. yeah uh, that's me and that's me saying that they won't beat Celtic I'm sorry for uh, Projecting that they could, anything could happen. Hearts a weekend after as well. That's a it's a pretty solid start from Ross County, considering the bad they've had to face. Before we move on from Ross County, I, I discovered at the weekend that um, Ross Stewart, ex Ross County striker, is referred to as the Loch Ness Drogba by Sunderland fans, which is who was it we compared them to? Was it uh, Holland? We called him Holland. Holland, yeah. And he also got man of the match. I quite like Ross Stewart. Yeah, I liked him. But I'm glad I don't like that name. Yeah. Loch Ness Drogba. Mm. Oh. See, after watching the highlights of that game, see the, Aber- the Aberdeen size of the Aberdeen squad. That is 
a is big, big squad. It's 30 people. Ooh. It's a big squad and they're still playing Dean Campbell at left back. <laughs> they had... They and Robbie McCrory, uh, <laughs> Robbie McCrory. Ross McCrory. Ross McCrory. Ross Robbie McCrory could do a job. I mean, Ross McCrory. <laughs> <Ross Williams. laughs> uh, they've, they've signed 10 players and they haven't really let go of anybody that yeah. was part of their first team plans. Um, I think getting my long stuff on loan from Newcastle is a very smart and good piece of business. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he could be excellent for them. But and his Samuels looked good. I as had well. a few, had a couple of chances, didn't he? That long staff ball over probably should have done better with it. Mm-hmm. For a team that completely bottled it in the Europa League, they now have a thirty-man squad to play every weekend. Having just done a, a quick Google, I found out that um, Ross Stewart is from Irvine and uh, not anywhere uh, near the Highlands. It's actually the opposite end of Scotland. Um, so well done, Sunderland fans. You really nailed that one. It's five minutes up the Drop road. Drogba doesn't even sound like Monster. It's just it's just a bad name. Is that what they're going for? Was that That's what they were going for? The monster. Is it not supposed to be the Loch Ness Monster? I mean, it is, but... No, like, it's just like something Scottish. You need to say yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> like the Starport style, like they were going for their own version of that, surely. Reading into it too much. I mean, as a Boy <laughs> McGrose fan, we have um, Alan <laughs> Horn is like... Uh, Alan, well, Alan Horn's nicknamed the Trinent Pelly, despite being a centre half, which I have some <laughs> issues with. <laughs> but we persevere nonetheless. <laughs> he can also play in central midfield if that helps, but it's still not quite. He's not prolific in any way. Yeah, so it's a little bit worrying. Did West Ham um, not do that? Did they not call James Collins a ginger Pierlo, but he played at the back? Yeah, it's you need so to be a Welsh bit more. Maldini, I'm getting mixed up. I've got no idea where this has gone, but I'd also just I wanted to touch on one point again. Calvin Ramsey in that game, Sean, you said it. You said it in the group chat when you were watching it at the time. How has he cleared that ball off the line? He's running towards goal. That was just I, it I, I defied was, I'm, physics, Jack. It impressed me to no end. It did impress me. I didn't know what I. I don't know how he did it. He was sprinting towards goal, but still managed to flick it backwards. It was uh, very, very impressive. Uh, and just another reason why, especially with Nathan Patterson out, maybe we should be in the <laughs> and, Scotland squad and, and not uh, playing for the 21s. And I don't think Stephen O'Donnell played in Saturday either for Motherwell, so we currently do not have a right back. Here, we're getting a dude. Ryan Fraser, we? here we go. James Forrest's yeah. also out, if that could count as yeah, a win. Yeah, we're actually getting a dude on, on Wednesday. Oh. That's, yeah, that's mental. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. What else happened? Uh, oh, yeah, right. Should we, should we dip into the uh, championship for a look at a couple of games? No. Yes, do it. Uh, our both won again, convincingly, which I, I just. Against who? Dunfermline <laughs> lost again is the biggest. Doesn't count. <laughs> I've just been. I've just. Every, every week I just kind of get more and more impressed with our both. I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed that I'm, I'm annoyed at them because I'd, I'd still pegged. Uh, Dunfermline to finish first and for our both to finish below us but it's not looking likely that either of those two things is going to happen I'm just a big fan of our both to be honest I, I like Dick Campbell I think I think there's there's no surprise in that I think there's not many people that dislike Dick, Dick Campbell I mean if, is there anyone on this panel that dislikes Dick Campbell take that as a no uh, I like Dick Campbell <laughs> <laughs> Seems it seems there's not many people that have opinions on Dick Campbell. That's that's the, the draw that I've taken away from that. There's a funny blooper at the start of the season. Like him. Fell on him. Wait, what? Peter like Grant's hat. Like his hat. His hat's nice, isn't it? Yeah. 
Peter Grant. Um, to, to the surprise of ever, to the surprise of uh, uh, absolutely nobody, Peter Grant is not doing a good <laughs> it's job. It's not done, done well. This is an appointment we all slagged before this season. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and they have zero wins and one draw, and they are conceded eight goals in three games. <laughs> so well done, Peter. You will not be in the job for much longer. Oh yeah, it's not gone well. It's really, really not gone well. It was. I mean, I mean, it was just the, the kind of type of appointment that kind of came in. I mean, they went for Peter Grant, and this is these new German owners that have a lot of ambition with the club, and they ended up going for Peter Grant. It just didn't make a lot of sense then, and it makes even less sense now, considering the results he's put up. So something's going to need to change it, Dunfermline and Athletic, fairly, fairly quickly, if they are to get any sort of semblance of a decent season out of this championship campaign. Sean, and you know when um, sorry, you know when they talk about when Sam Allardyce used to start a season out of a job, and it just always be like, like the he Sam would just go to the team and make Yeah, but it's like looming over all those teams who are struggling. Mm. Yogi Hughes has kind of got that now, <laughs> when it's like who's going to be first <laughs> yeah. to start their manager so they can get John Hughes in. It's like five, you need try to the five triangle. <laughs> Basically, I don't think that's a problem to be honest. No. Like, it's one of those, but I don't really see folk caring too much. I mean, he's done both the Highland ones. I know they're pathetic anyway, but might as well just mm. keep doing wee clusters in the country and try and get them all. Um, but I, I think that that's one where you're thinking, if I don't know, Livingston keeps struggling, or uh, I don't know, um, Hopkins goes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I just think that you want to be. Ah, he's not going to go to Aries, better than that. But like. I think you want to be the first manager to get up. Oh, Aki's have sacked already. But do you know what I mean? Like the John Hughes shadow looms over all these clubs. Cause you don't want to miss out on him because he did yeah. a, a pretty good job at Ross County last season. So um, and uh, he's a good guy. So it's almost like yeah, you're being pressured into you're being pressured into sacking your manager prematurely just so you can get Yogi Hughes in before somebody else does later down the line. That's the one. Sean Kelly lost. They did. Do you want to talk to me about the game? Um, I didn't watch it. I was watching my first team, Boyer Gross, um, make it seven league wins in a row. Lovely. Um, to to ex- uh, I was going to extend their lead, we don't because that's just we don't count Rangers B because uh, Colts are Colts. But um, yeah, uh, the it's by the sounds of it, um, it was kind of same old story. A goalkeeping error, which is a bit disappointing because uh, Zach Hemming has been very good so far. Um, from during his loan spell from Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. um. Michael Gardner always scores against Kelly, always. Um, and oh, a, a former commandant player as well, I'm sure he enjoys that. Um, and then it was one of those. It's going to happen a lot this season. I saw it when I covered Kelly against Morton in the Premier Sports Cup group stage that if a team gets an early lead against Kelly, then they're going to be very happy just to set up shop yeah. and try and um, sort of keep it that way for the rest of the game. Uh, Kelly have been terrible for a long time at breaking teams down under Steve Clark when teams realised, oh, actually, they're quite decent. Um, we should probably uh, try and be a bit more defensive. That's when we really, really struggled uh, to pick up points and there's been nothing to remedy that since then. So um, it was a lot of crosses into the box uh, that Kurt Broadfoot um, was happy to head away and it just basically played into Vanessa's hands by the sounds of it. So um, I feel like Inverness can't keep winning 1-0 forever. They might, <laughs> they might, but, but they I feel like at can. one point they've got to not win one nil. Um, so we'll see how they get on. But nine points in their first twelve games, uh, twelve games, nine points in their first 
uh, possible 12 points is what I'm trying to say um, is still a pretty decent return and I don't think there's any need for panic stations quite yet but um, I didn't expect Inverness to put up this much of a challenge and obviously Dunfermline don't seem to be uh, as good as they are so right mm. now it's uh, Partick, Cali and Kelly are you're looking at as your three main contenders for that championship title No I completely agree with that uh, I would also be up here uh, voicing my complaints if Aid had actually played but uh, due to a fairly rampant COVID outbreak within the club our game against Wraith Rovers that was due to play out on Saturday afternoon has been postponed and it's getting played out at the same time that Scotland are playing Austria next Tuesday night so I can't imagine attendance is going to be great for that one but live and let live I suppose we'll need to see what happens come, uh, come in next Tuesday hopefully we actually get a win because that, that would be really nice to actually have a win this season Wraith haven't been great so fingers crossed uh, what we can do we've we've got what can it, 10 minutes before an hour do we want to keep under an hour or how do we want to press on your show I'm not making the choices for you oh ok uh, I'll, I'll throw out another question about actual Scotland because that's what we're here for most uh, actual Scotland actual Scotland in terms of the country in terms of the national team the men's national mm. team because five players are not available for uh, Denmark and three of those won't be available throughout the entire uh, triple header uh, McGinn and Patterson uh, John McGinn that is and uh, Nathan Patterson are unavailable for the Denmark game due to a uh, having to self-isolate due to government guidance, while Greg Taylor, James Forrest and Stuart Armstrong have dropped out of the squad completely. That's not very good, is it? <laughs> I would say it's no. ideal. If it, yeah. Not ideal is what I'd go for, Jack. Not ideal. Graham, not what ideal. would you go for? Well, it's not ideal for my things last week when I said that it's time for Scotland to play four at the back again, because now we have no right back to play there. So that's not very good. <laughs> So we were sticking with three. But there's, there's outside of the right back issues. It's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, we now have David Turnbull as a replacement for John McGinn. The direct replacement for John McGinn. But yeah. Probably about a year ago, John McGinn was as irreplaceable as there was a player for Scotland. Uh, Greg Taylor would never play in it. Greg Taylor would never play anyway. He's yeah. third choice left back. Who really cares? Is yeah. those two? James Forrest is a bit, is a miss. I think James Forrest is a miss, but. So he he would be on our right wing back option, so I guess you can group him in with that. Mm. It really is just we're now kind of down to Ryan Fraser or somebody really out the blue who will play at right wing. But other than that, the team is probably going to be the team that Steve Clark would depict. Well, I mean, it, it is going to be somebody kind of out the. I don't I don't know how they're going to set up because I think Steve Clark came out today and said he's not bringing anyone else in uh, to he replace did. any of the uh, outgoing players. I mean, would there have been a call for anyone to come in at all from uh, the pool of Scotland players that have been performing well at the start of the season Sean, Sean would you have kind of pushed for a Ramsey to potentially get brought up from under 21s or are you just happy to have him in a Scotland squad at all no I mean I'd rather he was in the first team Ramsey or I guess you've got Ralston as well I'm not saying that either of them are ideal at this exact moment in time but the fact that Nathan Patterson isn't there and we're unsure on Steve McDonald's status is worrying, I think. So yep. uh, to get another right back in would be ideal. I know a couple of midfielders have obviously dropped out with Armstrong and um, McGinn being out for the Denmark game, but we've got quite a lot of options in midfield. And like um, Graham was saying there, David Turnbull um, seems like the direct replacement. Even Ryan Christie could do that as well, I yeah. guess, but he'll probably feature a bit further forward if he does. Um, so yeah th- there's worse players that c- could have happened in that strange same when John McGinn's involved but we know he'll be back 
Um, and I think especially for the Denmark game, if there were, uh, even if there was a notion in Steve Clark's head to change that back four, if there was any game where he was definitely going to keep the five, it was going to be away to yeah, Denmark absolutely. on this uh, first one anyway, considering uh, they're pretty good. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's as catastrophic as we might have thought. And uh, hopefully they can pull off a result. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh We've been a bit surprised here because we kind of had the idea coming into this season of the football roundup there was going to be less coverage on uh, English football and we would potentially rework that into something else. We've not quite worked out the uh, the details of that at the moment, but it's not been a bad start to the Premier League from uh, from uh, the first kind of opening three games or game weeks rather, and it was a pretty entertaining weekend uh, this week. Graham our teams were in action: uh, Liverpool won, Chelsea won at Anfield with ha- two, both goals in the first half Havertz scoring a really really nice header first and then Salah levelling from the spot before half time I know how much you hate talking about refereeing decisions I'm not even going to mention the name of the referee or what the decision was but I agreed with it anyway and uh, what what was your thoughts was that was that kind of two points dropped from a Liverpool, sp- Liverpool perspective going up against 10 men Chelsea for a whole half or what was your view I I guess you have to say it is because it's against ten men, but it's not. Kind of, I'm not devastated by it because Chelsea are probably the hardest side of world football to break them with eleven men. So you put them down to ten. I actually think I actually uh, I'm supposed to say, I think it's harder to break the Chelsea side when they're down to ten men, almost because they packed it in yeah. and just defended, and they lost most of their attacking threat. They had a couple of nice counter attacks, but really. It was just it was so hard to put them down. I actually kinda I think the restreaming sending off kinda hurt Liverpool from an attacking perspective because they just after a fifteen minute spell to start the second half, they just ran out of ideas because Chelsea were defending so stoutly. To be fair, I'm more than happy with the point to be honest, because I, w- I was happy to go ahead. I was surprised to go ahead because I just had that kind of underlying feeling that we wouldn't end up getting something from this game, kinda going up to Anfield the full crowd again and I, j- I just wasn't entirely convinced. But I've you, you you do the best. I think you're the best side in England, and it's not necessarily. I think maybe City or Liverpool at their peak can probably be better than you. But I think Chelsea's floor is like the highest of all the title contenders by far. I don't. I think Chelsea will play poorly and win so many games because that defence is so solid, and there's so much depth and so many options in that squad that I I I think that is the kind of thing that will kind of for me now may make you the title favourites this season because of all mm. that kind of those factors added in together whereas I can see some going issues Lord Pro with depth and City with having no striker and things like, and they've got a couple of injury problems whereas Chelsea I'm not sure what Chelsea's issues really are yeah it's I mean the biggest issue for me is that Kurt Zimmer's no longer there and that, that hurts my heart more than anything but that's not really Massively important. Uh, Sean Graham mentioned Manchester City and their lack of a striker just there, but they still managed to hit Arsenal for five at the weekend in what was just a bit of a pathetic showing from Arsenal, to be honest. I mean, it was really just men against boys at parts. I mean, 23 shots from City compared to one from Arsenal. And I mean, stats don't convey a game as much as as some would make you to believe, but that's pretty damning uh, stats from, from the outset. Just no goals scored, three three losses. What's going wrong with Arsenal? I mean, it's we we've got five minutes before the hour, so I mean, if you want to put in a succinct answer, you'd be more than welcome because it's a fairly loaded question in itself. But I, I feel like I'm maybe in the minority when I say that, or I, I pose the question that is 
uh, the reaction to Arsenal at the moment a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, yes. yeah, it's disappointing to lose on the opening day to a newly promoted Brentford side, but first game in the Premier League, patch crowd back. Yes, some of the defending was terrible, but okay, you lost that one. And then the next two are against the two best teams in the country. I mean, if those were spaced out over a season, you would never have expected Arsenal to win anyway. And I guess the big problem is that how little they competed in those games. It didn't even feel like there were uh, there was a brief spell in uh, the Chelsea game where they had a couple of chances. But I guess it's the the fact that they've been out of it completely. But I still think that the the real question is to get asked. Our next two against Norwich and Burnley, and if they don't get six points out of those, then fair. Have have a have a go. But I just think that because they've played two very good sides and of course lost an opening day, that it looks bad just now. But I still suspect that Arsenal will come back. I don't know. I feel like I'm not as deep-rooted in the problems of Arsenal as other people, but they had a decent 2021 before this season. Mm. They've spent money. I don't mean people say Arteta out, but what's the point in giving them all the money that they've given them so far this summer if you're just going to sack him? He was just changed from head coach to manager like a year or so ago, so I don't know if there's much point in sort of looking to chuck him out so quickly when he's trying to build something. More time needs to be given, I think. Just to add to that as well about Arsenal's start, I think what needs to be taken into consideration is how many big players are missing. I mean, on the opening day, there was no Gabriel, who's Arsenal's best centre-half. There was no Partey, who's their best midfielder. Lacazette and Aubameyang were both missing. And Saka was um, not fully fit yet. And in the other games, of course, Ben White contracted COVID as well. Pepe was ill at the weekend. Arsenal still haven't really had Mm -hmm. a a full-strength team. It seems that their their two best centre-halves and Gabriel and Ben White still haven't played together yet. The best midfield pairing, probably. Party and Jacques still haven't played to get yet, uh, played together yet either. So I think it's still a problem that Jacques is in that best. Yeah, that's, 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 that's To be fair, they I, won't I, be playing with each other for a while because they get sent off in that game. So I mean, I, 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 I did see Party in Sambi Lacango. Yes, yeah, I've been impressed by Sambi. I thought he was. I'd like to see Thomas Party be Thomas Party. I don't think we've seen it yet in England. I've never seen him in an Arsenal shirt and gone. He's looking like a player now. The player that we saw at Atletico, I think it's been a, yeah. a disappointing spell from him. But I, I mean, a lot of fingers get pointed to the recruitment arsenal. I mean, their pull of centre halves and their right backs and all. It's just is genuinely shocking for a club of that stature. Mm-hmm. But um, I, there's some of those deals you look at and you think those should have been good signings. What's gone wrong? And I think Thomas Partey, so far for me, is uh, one of those. If you can get to full fitness and get firing again, then that should make a massive difference to Arsenal's midfield. Every signing that they've made this summer as well was a player either 23 or younger. So it's obviously as well sort of built in for built yeah. signings. I suppose it is just a question like why they're spending however much they spent on Aaron Ramsdale. That that was the kind of biggest uh, question mark for a lot of people. Still, There's still sense in it, kind of. I know, I, yeah. He's young, he's an England international now, he has hands... I think that can wear gloves. What, what doesn't help at all is that last summer Arsenal sold Emi Martinez for twenty million, and they've bought Ramsdale yeah. for twenty eight. And Emi Martinez was one of the best keepers in the league yeah. last season, so I think that automatically makes Ramsdale look silly. But at the same time, Leno's been one of Arsenal's best players, but when he hasn't played, it's, it's a real lack of quality there. It's all exaggerated by Arsenal being the third biggest club in England through our struggling. It's really 
and the fan TV. Fan kind TV. Of yeah. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like mentioning them because I think. I think they're. I think are so fake. I don't it's, think it's, it's glorified. They're it's so glorified. Fa- I, they're so fake. Proper caricatures of themselves, isn't it? But oh, it's kind of a melting pot built up by all of that. I think Sean's kind of had the more measured take. Uh, I'd probably side with him. I think it's. I'm not sure Arteta will survive much longer, and I'm not sure he's that good. I think he's alienated quite a few young players, and like it's been coming out of Maitland Niles and Sibling and Saliba, who it just seems like a mystifying case. Yeah. And that seems to be on Arteta. Mm. But it's not the. I don't, Arsenal will be fine. They will, I think they'll still probably finish 6th, 7th, 5th, which is what we all predicted at the start of the season. Still is. I think my though. article predicted yeah. them nearly oh, in the top so then. <laughs> Yeah, your article was the problem here, really. Yeah, it was. You you you've passed your Werner curse on to Arsenal from last season. That's what you've done. I'm a jinx. Maybe I'm a jinx. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Uh, Struan, I'll come to you just to kind of wrap up here for the Premier League coverage. United won Wolves nil. I mean, how 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 did you take in this game? Because for me, Wolves looked better than Man United did. Was and I think there was a kind of change in midfield, of course, with the. Uh, Pogba playing that deeper role that you and I kind of talked about, but it was was that kind of where United kind of lacked it, or where where, where was uh, where was it made more difficult for United to get this win rather than uh, anything else? I think the mid- midfield with Man United was the problem, but I, th- I think as well, rather than just completely criticising Man United, I should praise Wolves. I thought Wolves were absolutely excellent, and they're a team who, for the past three seasons under Nuno, I've detested. I couldn't stand watching Wolves. I thought they were just boring as anything, but the three games that they played this season against Leicester, Tottenham and Man United, they should have won all three of them. You know, they were they're absolutely fantastic. Trincao and Adama are just so fun to watch. Adama's mm. opening thirty minutes is probably one of the best performances I've seen over the past couple of seasons in the Premier League. And I know it's quite hard Come to judge on. Me. It was unbelievable. You've taken no, that way too far. Yeah, you you're <laughs> Nah, yeah, that's why I said thirty minutes. I don't want to say performance. I should probably say just snippet of a performance was was good. But I'll, I'll best running dribbles you've seen in the past. <laughs> yeah, he was ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I know a lot of people say Adama doesn't have end product, but he did create four chances yesterday, which is more than any other player on the pitch. I think the next highest was Varane, who created one and got the assist. He had yeah. a really good debut. I should quickly say, but yeah, I think Wolves will be fine this year if they can just put the ball in the back yeah. of the net I know that sounds easier than it actually is but at the same time I think they look really good they've got a solid midfield a solid yeah. back four five rather and yeah I, I'm impressed with Wolves to be honest They, as I said they probably should have beaten Leicester and Tottenham as well so it's, it's one of those where maybe if they click and they start to put the ball in the back of the net they, they could do really well it's completely understandable but Wolves are waiting Wolves kind of need to Raul Jimenez to try and become Raul Jimenez as yeah, soon if, as if possible he, if, he, if he can get back to his old so I noticed yeah, it, that uh, uh, Sorry, I was just there was one set piece I noticed where he was sort of in the box and the the ball kind of came in and he didn't even challenge for the header and it was one of those where it wasn't he was beaten because the other Man United guy had the jump on him he just didn't challenge for it and I feel that's definitely one of the indications that we're going to see throughout the season is just the way it's impacted him of course yeah, essentially what it is yesterday I thought, was just, I thought they were really excellent until they got to the final third and I really they took so many chances and De Gea made an absolutely incredible save from Roman Sice in the corner Yes, but for the most part I didn't think Wolves were going to score and they don't really have a goal scorer on their team yesterday they didn't have a goal scorer on their team yesterday they have Jimenez but it's not the same as Raul Jimenez Adama doesn't score goals and Trincao has not really done anything at Braga Barca or Rules early on to suggest that he's going to be a goal scorer. So they're playing with 11 nice footballers, but 
no one that's going to have a cutting edge in Scotty for you. So that, and that shows in the results. I don't think Wang Chan is going to do that either, the new signing from Leipzig. No, Graham, you were saying yesterday he's got just an awful record in over in, over in it's, it's hard. Cause I, I want to give as much benefit of the doubt to people that moved during the COVID era as possible because it was very, very tough to move to a team last year and fit in instantly in all the tight play pack schedules, but he, was, he really struggled at Leipzig and I thought he'd be quite a good sign. Mm. Well, we just need to kind of see how that progresses uh, for the season going forward. Uh, just quickly to finish off, we'll talk about the kind of biggest news from around the other big leagues in Europe, and I suppose what everyone was waiting for kind of took to the fore last night in Messi making his uh, debut for his new club Paris Saint Germain, coming off the bench replacing Neymar in a two 0 win against Rheim. Uh I think I, out of this panel, I was the only one who actually didn't watch this game. So I didn't really, you didn't really. Did I, I watched when Messi came on. I mean, what, what, was it just a bit weird seeing Messi actually playing for a, a team other than Barcelona or Argentina, I suppose, if you want to go down that route? I mean, that's what just kind of general consensus. It's going to be the same for the whole season, but it's just odd seeing Messi playing in a shirt other than Barcelona's. Genuinely Absolutely. odd, though. Like, not like one of those things where you're like, oh, this is a bit weird. Like, it was like noticeably strange uh, that he was going onto the pitch for someone else other than Barcelona. Um, and the number and the different players around them and uh, obviously like a new environment just felt very very strange and uh, mm. I think it would take a long time to get used to um, it came on for Neymar so we're yet to see uh, the much talk about uh, front three all in action together at the same time and it was just, he was kicked from pillar to post it was a, a clear directive uh, from the host to uh, sort of make sure they didn't get into the game as much as possible but I uh, still managed to show a few flashes of class and of course he's had a, a, a very sort of demanding few years at Barcelona where he really doesn't like not playing games Lionel Messi, yeah. he, he likes to be involved as much as possible So um, and then he had a, a successful Copa America so um, he's just been taking his time to get back in um, he's up the international break but he'll uh, be playing some pretty important World Cup qualifiers, I believe Argentina play Brazil um, sometime this week so that'll be uh, a rematch from the Copa America final as well but um, yeah it's going to take a lot of getting used to and there's talk about Kylian Mbappé leaving I suspect he'll stay in Paris and mm-hmm. we'll get to see that front three at some point which is going to be uh, massively interesting. Yeah hopefully hopefully we see you soon uh, Sean I also wanted to just stick with you here because of the way in which Atletico Madrid equalised <laughs> last night so for anyone that's not seen could you try and describe how Mandy just undid all of all of his side hard work. I don't know if it's actually Mandy's fault. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Atletico Madrid were uh, 2-1 down at home to Villarreal. Uh, Unai Emery has long been chasing a, a first win ever over Diego Simeone. He was seconds away from getting it um, until uh, I think it's Koke plays the ball forward and um, Mandy just has to easily head the ball back into the hands of Rulli, who for some reason has wandered off to um, the side of the, the box almost and then takes an age to get down and just has to watch as the ball trickles into the goal and that's uh, Virial's uh, win uh, completely gone away and uh, yeah, it was it was comical it was <laughs> pretty hilarious actually Um and uh, it keeps the Atletico unbeaten league status mm. in the season. I think there's like seven teams on seven points. Six teams on seven points. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mental at the top of really the league at the see. moment. So, um, yeah. Um, so, my prediction of 
plus 10 is now down two after last weekend. Um, but I think to pick up in that fashion, uh, it'll be. It, it was quite athletic, really, to still get something out of that game uh, despite all the circumstances. To your credit, you've not lost points on on that uh, on that prediction. You're not like minus two or anything. So you've got no. that. Uh, it's uh, Real Madrid, Sevilla, Valencia, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, and Mallorca all on seven points. Newly promoted Mallorca, which Mass- is a really impressive cool. start for yeah. them. Who have they beaten? Drew Betis, then uh, yep. the Alaves and Espanyol as well. Very nice start. Yeah, I mean, Alaves and Espanyol, but a good mm. opening day point against Betis, definitely. Who's still looking for their first win? Two draws and a loss so far. They play Celtic fairly soon, don't they? So it'll be fine. <laughs> for, for, the, for the sake of the Liga, that'll be. Yeah. That'll be really good. Uh, Graham, what happened to Germany this week? I feel like you you are my Rafa Honigstein when it comes to speaking about Germany because you're so just think, such a think, advocate for, uh, for that. Last week, I. Well, I'm still angry about the TV deal, that's the main thing, yeah. because yesterday they had Leipzig-Wolfsburg, which is third versus fourth from last season, and Sky Sports decided to show highlights from the Football League in England. <laughs> Why? I I think the answer is that they only want eyes on Super Sunday, and that's why there was no other games on. It's why the Scottish games kick off at 12 o'clock when Super Sunday's on yeah. as well, because they don't want anything competing with it. I think that was why, but it's still... That's terrible. Sky Sports absolutely suck at football coverage if it's not the Premier League. On the pitch, I think the main story was probably Borussia Dortmund's game of Hoffenheim on Friday, Friday night. night yeah. That was an that was a class game of football. It's Dortmund are the terrible at the back. They're missing. They're still missing two centre backs, uh, mainly Matt Samuels. Yeah. And so they don't look very solid. But going forward, they're, they're absolute lightning. Uh, Hoffenheim equalised in the ninetieth minute, and we thought it's going to be it's going to finish two two, and then Alan Haaland scored. Two minutes later, in the next second minute to win it for the game, and I'd like to thank Gareth Southgate for not playing to Bellingham because every, every, <laughs> I'll do this every single week because oh my god, he is amazing. He's <laughs> an England, would, England so would have won the Euros. I, I'm fairly convinced England would have won the Euros if they played Jude Bellingham more. Uh, outside of that, it was Bayern Munich absolutely dominated Hertha Berlin. Hertha Berlin are pretty. Hertha Berlin is such a miserable club they play in Berlin the biggest city in Germany the biggest in the Olympic in Stadium team. in the Olympic Stadium mm. and they're absolutely mincy every year just <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> whereas Union Berlin have come in they are a smaller club and they they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach to know who are struggling quite a lot under Adi Hooter to start this season uh, that's pretty much the, I would say that's the main talking point in the Bundesliga from the weekend but from today, you've got to talk about the fact that um, it seems pretty much a done deal that Marcel Sabitzer is going to be heading from Leipzig to Bayern Munich for a Completely done, is it? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a picture of him with a, a pretzel, pretzel, a beer, beer and a Bayern shirt on from the Bayern Twitter account. So That's just about as conclusive and racially insensitive as you can get. Um, but yeah, uh, he is uh, a fantastic player and the real question mark coming to the season was Bayern's depth in central midfield they don't want to play Quarantine Tolisso because he's been off it for quite a while and what happens if the, an injury is sustained to Kimmich or Goretzka and uh, Marcel Sabitzer one of the best midfielders in Germany can just walk in instead uh, they're very very good at picking up Bundesliga talent and you worry about Jesse March and RB Leipzig now considering that Upamecano, Kanate um, and Sabitzer have all uh, left, how will yeah. they be able to replace him and with a manager who isn't quite as 
tactically astute. He's more of a, a motivator, as mm. Jesse Marsh, and how will that play in for Leipzig as they look to establish themselves as a consistent Champions League club? That's it. Uh, Sabitzer for about 12 million euros as well. A very, very... And he's had that release clause and there's so many clubs who could use a good central midfielder and none of them just wanted to pay it. It's weird. I don't understand. Under Gerardo Sione, I am not sure that pronunciation's right. By Leverkusen have started the season looking like hot shit. They drew away Union Berlin in their opening game but they beat Flabback 4-0 last week and then they went away to Augsburg this week and won 4-1. I feel like Leverkusen sometimes can be like the most exciting team in Germany and then they'll just kind of like collapse mm. halfway through the season. But it's been a good start. If I was a Scottish team, I would not want to play them. Am I right? <laughs> return of Patrick Schick. Oh, I don't even think about that. Patrick Schick. We don't, we don't, that, that's how we want to end the podcast, and Just you reminding us of that Patrick Schick goal. Well, I hadn't said anything in a while, so... <laughs> is, there, is there anything burning you want to get off your chest before we wrap up? UV no. lost. UV yeah, lost to Henderson. Henderson came on. Um, Tammy. Tammy Abraham scored. I'm happy with that. Syria looks really fun this season. I think Honeymoon Jose. Honeymoon Jose is genuinely undefeated. Like he's so fun. Like just if you get like Jose Mourinho in the honeymoon period with your team, you're winning. Like you're just winning consistently. And it was the build up to the first Veritug second, second, second. Ve- first Veritug oh, goal. I think it was second goal of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Veritug got two, and it was his first. It was beautiful, like so good going from side to side, and then lovely wee pass him out through the middle to get it to Veritu, who just had to finish. And then Abraham scored a lovely goal from just on the edge of the box, uh, curling one in off the far post, leaving the keeper rooted to the spot. I enjoyed it. You yeah, must mention that Inter Milan were one down to Hellas Verona. Lotaro Martinez equalised, and then Joachim Correa, who they signed last week from Lazio, came on and scored an absolute a lovely double to win them that game. It was a cracking header into the top left corner and then a lovely strike into the bottom left corner to win but it doesn't matter that's still aren't too fast because they beat Spezia 6-1 so basically all the teams apart from Juventus and Serie A that we've thought about contend seem like they are going to contend yeah could be Atalanta a little bit of the, they're off the, oh it's two games in but Atalanta have dropped uh, points mm-hmm. so far but yeah um, like you said Lazio great win and uh, they're top of the league so um, aye, good on them good on them Mitchell Sarri in it but it's what a boy, what a boy. European football, what a joy. It's we we do love it and we're gonna talk about it a lot throughout the season here at Energy Sport. But for now that's gonna do us for this episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to us talk nonsense about football for the last seventy five odd minutes. Uh, that's not too bad, is it? Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get yours to get a new episode directly to your ears as soon as they come out. Uh, follow us on the socials at ENRG Sport. That's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And make sure you pay attention to all the content that we have putting out on ENRGSport.net, the award-winning website, of course, and we're coming for even more this year. Uh, a big thank you to Stuart Garvey, Sean McGill and Graham Sinclair for joining me today, as always. Uh, we are going to be back on Thursday or the boys are going to be back on Thursday with extra time talking about probably the fallout from Scotland Denmark looking ahead to Moldova and anything else that happens during this week of course we're going to be looking forward to that Uh, but until we see you next I've been Jack Donnelly this has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport take care and we'll see you soon